What's up, my wonderful self-improver? It is Brian Ford with Self-Improvement Daily. Take ownership of your personal development one tip at a time. I hope you're ready because today we're coming at you with a self-improvement sit-down. And man, is it a good one. In self-improvement sit-downs, we take the time to hear from experts in their space and learn what makes them so good at what they do. We cover concepts that can't possibly be covered in the usual two-minute episodes that I share every day on the podcast. And if you want more of that, then hold tight until tomorrow. But for now, let's dive into an incredible conversation. This is self-improvement sit-down number 38 with Bob Berg. And we are live. Today's guest is Bob Berg. Bob is best known as the co-author of the incredibly insightful book, The Go-Giver, which has sold more than 975,000 copies and has been translated into 28 languages. The core premise of the book, which we're certainly going to explore today, is all about how we can shift from the getting to giving in order to create the success and impact we desire in our lives. Among other incredibly impactful books and courses, Bob speaks around the world about the go-giver philosophy as an advocate for value-based positive change. Bob, what an honor to speak with you today. Thank you so much. Oh, the honor is mine. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, there's there's so much to touch on today and, you know, regarding the book and everything else that you're doing. Um, so so bear with me as I try and navigate it all as effectively as possible. But I, I would love to start with the main character of The Go-Giver because I feel like he is a character a lot of people can relate to. His name is Joe. Sure. And kind of where he was as a person before learning the incredible lessons in the book that are related to purpose and and giving, mm-hmm. obviously, um, you know, he's overworked. He has a deadline to hit and he feels like he's being treated unfairly or that things aren't going his way. Um, I imagine a lot of people can relate to that kind of this mindset of um, difficulty or perceived difficulty. And, and I imagine that you've crossed a lot of people that have kind of been in that phase in their life. And I, I'd love to hear your advice on, you know, like, what do you tell people that feel like they're stuck in a rut and how do they overcome that? Well, you know, Brian, I think Joe was that guy. And, and one reason we named him Joe is because, you know, he's the every person. We've all been Joe or Josephine at some time in our, our lives. Um, he was a, you know, good guy. He was, he was young, um, uh, up and coming, ambitious, aggressive, strive for success. But he also was someone who, you know, we, we love that he was a go-getter because that's a person of action, but he was also a go-taker. Hmm. He was the kind of guy who sort of felt he was entitled, you know, and, and that everybody owed him this and that. And why wasn't he more successful after all he did and and so forth. And what he came to to realize, and, and this is, you know, would be my my suggestion, is just simply the understanding that shifting your focus, and this is really where it begins, shifting your focus from getting to giving. And when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing immense value to others. Understanding that doing so is not only uh, a nicer, more fulfilling way to to do business, but it's also the most financially profitable way as well. And not for any kind of woo-woo, way out there, magical, mystical reasons. It it actually makes very logical, rational sense when you think about it. After all, when you're that person who can take your focus off of yourself and place it on others and, and, and place it on making their lives better, helping 
to understand and help them get what they want, mm -hmm. uh, helping them to solve their challenges. In other words, just in some way, making their lives better as a result of you being in it. Well, you know, people feel good about you. People, uh, they want to get to know you. They like you. They trust you. They want to be a part of your, your life. They want to be a part of your, your business. And that's, you know, that's, that's really what we're talking about. That, that's awesome. That, that's a perspective that I actually didn't get on my read, but I think is something I overlooked because it's really fundamental to it, which is the idea of empathy in that you are placing yourself in the other person's shoes, understanding what value you can deliver in order to optimize that. Right. And, and I think that especially as you elaborated on kind of the, the go getter versus the go taker, I think, yeah, there is that kind of complementary component to it. But you need to see that through the lens of what is the other person receiving as well, right? So in that kind of value-based approach is, is, is super, yeah, I mean, it, it's super pertinent. And I think it, it makes logical sense once it's been voiced, but it's not necessarily a natural tendency. And I think, I think the natural tendency is the go-taker, right? The, the entitled kind of individual. Um, could, you, could you share a little bit more about kind of that phase of life for people that are in that kind of space? Because I, I think that a lot of people can relate to it. And maybe that awareness could be something that helps people to overcome it. Yeah, well, it's very natural uh, because as human beings, we are self-interested. Uh, you know, that's that's not always bad, right? That self-interest helped our cave person ancestors to to survive, <laughs> you know, right? Mm -hmm. Because back when every day was a matter of, uh, you know, literally, not figuratively, but literally survival. But also people knew that in their own self-interest, it was in their best interest, the smart ones, to look out for the other person as well mm -hmm. and try to be a, a, a contributing member uh, to that 150 person uh, tribe. But you bring up a great point when you talk about value and the other person, because it, it's very important to understand what value really means uh, and in, in terms of what that has to do with, with price, because mm -hmm. too often people conflate the two and, and it's important not to. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, price is a dollar figure, right? It's, it's, it's uh, a dollar amount. It's finite. It is what it is. Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something to the end user or beholder. In other mm. words, what is it about this thing, this product, service, concept, idea, what have you, that brings so much worth or value to another human being that they will willingly exchange there in the business sense, you know, money or time or, you know, what have you for this and be glad they did while you also make a, a very healthy uh, profit. So, um, but as you as you mentioned and, and and alluded to, and I thought this was so great, it's about how the other person understands its value. Mm -hmm. Remember, value is always in the eyes of the beholder. It's not what we think is valuable about what we do or or our product or what have you. It's not what we think they should think is of value. It's what they feel is of value. And that's why as a leader, uh, as a salesperson, as anyone who is looking to influence in a beneficial way another human being, we've always got to ask questions and then listen in order mm -hmm. to understand what they need, what they want, what they desire. Is this congruent with their values? Is gonna is this gonna help bring them closer to happiness? So that's really where it all begins. 
Sure. Yeah, no, it's, it's a very important perspective to to have that empathetic approach. But you also mentioned something that's an important perspective, which is kind of the the nature by which you view the value. You know, you mentioned it's either value or price. I actually shared recently on the podcast kind of a difference between spending money or time and investing money in time. And that mm. kind of that term of investment means that you're seeing the value over a sustained amount of time. So it's not just right. a transaction that happens in one place. And I think that's an important kind of complement to this idea of, you know, value versus price is over what time frame is this being delivered? Um, and I think that's kind of why leading with value, like you understand the full realm of the capabilities of the effort um, and the, the impact and investment being applied, because then you can see on the back end of it, the full potential of the return rather than just the immediate return, which is, which is really a kind of a paradigm shift. But again, it, it's logical um, once it's voiced. Um, and yeah. I, I love, yeah. So, I mean, we're kind of, we're already talking about the the real kind of meat and potatoes of the book, which I love, which are the five pillars of stratospheric success. So you mentioned the first one there, which is the law of value, which is how much you give in value rather than taking payment. And just to quickly summarize the other, so we can kind of be on the same page. Well, can I, can yeah. I make one suggestion for sure? It's not, I don't think it's how much you give in value rather than taking payment. I think it's giving more in value to that other person, um, than you receive in uh, uh the in payment but that doesn't mean you're not receiving something interesting um, what that means though is that the experience for this person see there's an economic law that says that people will exchange their money for that which they feel is of equal or greater value than the money they're exchanging it for hmm. but that doesn't mean that you don't also make money that you don't make a profit i mean we can take an example like a a pizza restaurant Okay, that the uh, they sell a, a certain pizza for, and we're just going to name around figure fifteen dollars. Okay, now this person uh, buying the pizza for fifteen dollars is doing it because they want that pizza much more than they want that fifteen dollars. Mm -hmm. And not only does the pizza taste delicious and fulfill them, but the service was wonderful, the atmosphere was great, the music was wonderful, the wait people treated them so well. So they receive much more than $15 worth of value mm -hmm. for that pizza. But the pizza itself, the ingredients, keeping the doors open, the machinery, the staff probably cost the owner $4. Yeah. Okay. So while the, while the owner of the restaurant gave, you know, way much more in value, much more than $15 than what he or she took in, he or she still also made a very healthy profit. Yeah. So, so law number one is really just about making sure that other person feels so fantastic about the entire experience that they feel they receive much more than they paid for, which they did. Right. Oh, I'm so glad you corrected me on that because I've, I've gained an awareness on kind of my own sabotaging tendencies when I talk about money. And even in the way that I summarized that, like had a negative representation of that kind of that component. So I'm glad that you clarified that because it certainly is different. But it's such a credit to you, though, that you that you accept and embrace something like that. Sure. Because it's when we do that, you know, that we're in a position to grow. You know, I'm 62 and a half years old. I've had a lot more time. <laughs> than, you, than you have to embrace those. But I do sure. the same thing, you know. But uh, so, so that's really what it's all about. Yeah. Amazing.
Yeah, no. So I appreciate the lesson because it is something I'm actively trying to change my vocabulary around. I mean, I think that's something that's really important in general is kind of speak the language that you want to be. Um, so being able to be intentional about that language is something that helps to bridge these gaps and really take action from the awareness that we gain. So I'm glad that you're able to interrupt there and, you know, create this moment of awareness because I would have just glossed over it otherwise. So I, I appreciate that. Thank you for always being the instructor. It's incredible. <laughs> Thank um, you. Cool. All right. And then so the law of value is the first one. And then, yeah, to summarize the other ones and, and correct me if I if I make any bold assumptions here, too. But next is the law of compensation. So how many people you serve and how well you serve them. The law of influence, yeah. how abundantly you place other people's interests first. The law of authenticity, the most valuable gift you have is to offer yourself. And the law of receptivity, which is effective giving requires effective receiving. And that is the hardest one. I hope we get to that. Um, but just first, before we you know, get into the specific details of that, because there are some things I'd love to touch on. Just when you think of these five laws together, you know, they create this kind of comprehensive life philosophy. And, and why is that? Like, why, why is each one of these fundamental to the end result that you're looking for rather than just kind of pulling pieces, uh, you know, independently of these laws? Yeah, well, because, you know, and, and if you did any less than all five, you simply wouldn't be as effective mm, okay. uh, as when you follow all five. So they, they do work in conjunction because when you think about it, if you take away any one of those pieces, by the very nature of the thing, you simply cannot be as as effective. Hmm. You've, you, you know, if you took away providing value over and above what they pay, nobody would buy from you. Sure. <laughs> so then it wouldn't matter how many people you serve. You wouldn't. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, if you if you took away how ma- the law number two, how many people you served? Well, you know, how much money can you make selling one pizza a year? Sure. So it's also a matter of how many people you serve. Uh, law number three, uh, you know, in terms of placing the other person's interests first, uh, and again, there's nothing self-sacrificial or martyrish about it. It's simply understanding that all, that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. And there's no faster, more powerful, or more effective way to elicit those feelings toward you from others than by genuinely moving from that I focus or me focus to that other focus. Why? Because they're not buying for your reasons. Mm. They're buying for their right, that empathy. Yeah. And that's why the free market is so very important because it's only in a free market that the customer actually has the choice mm. of who they buy from. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. So, so no matter who we are, if we want a successful business, we have got to put the interest of the, the customer of the other person first. If you're a leader, you've got to place the interest of those who you're leading first, because otherwise, why would they be following you? Mm-hmm. You might say, well, because they're getting paid to, yeah, but we all know how that works. Right. Yeah. And so if, if they're, you know, compliance and never, a great friend of mine, a great leader, Donzi Skumachi often says compliance will never take you where commitment can go. Mm-hmm. That's uh, good. You know, if you take away your authenticity, you're going to be found out eventually. Sure. And you're going to turn people off. And, and then of course, receptivity. Well, we know that we don't just breathe out, which is giving. We've also got to breathe in, mm-hmm. which is receiving. And despite the horrible messages we get from the world around us regarding money and regarding prosperity and abundance and business itself, um, you know, we know that giving and receiving are not opposite concepts. They're not conflicting concepts. Giving and receiving are simply two sides of the very same coin, and they work in tandem. So it's not, mm-hmm. are you a giver or a receiver? It's, you're a giver 
and a receiver. But what you know is that the way life works, Mm -hmm. you've got to give first. The focus must be on the giving of value to those around you. Uh, and, and, you know, when you give and you give value, you have created the, what we call benevolent context to receive. That's why we say that money is an echo of value, Mm. but when that's coming toward you, you've got to be willing to allow yourself to open up and receive. That's no, that's super profound. I'm glad that you mentioned the order of operations there too. You know, like you've got to give first and then kind of the equilibrium will reestablish so that you end up receiving on the back end of it. And I think, I think it's something that um, is within our control, right? Because you can invest in others and then allow that to kind of um, stabilize and kind of be on the mm-hmm. back end of it. So I, I love that. And I, and I love how it's, it's a comprehensive system, right? Like you even mentioned the effectiveness of all of them together. It's like, each one of these components is required because it's almost like the necessary gear in order to rotate this kind of mechanism and, and to move it forward because it truly does act as a cycle. Um, and, and specifically with the law of receptivity, I think there's, um, I think there are a lot of misconceptions about kind of um, the expectations that we should have that like prevents us from accepting this law. And I'd love to clarify that. I think that's such an important one and something that I've been working on, um, which is kind of the, this way of thinking that it's, you know, it's better to give than receive, right? Like we've heard that over and over again as a kid. Um, but if you don't receive, like you cannot give unless there is someone there to receive, right? So right. so it's an assumption that we all reject because it's against our nature, what we're taught. So, so what kind of practices do you encourage people to step into in order to really kind of own their receptivity, you know, kind of what, what, what does that work look like? Well, I do believe that the world around us has filled us with so many negative messages about prosperity that, that it's, it's gotten to us, uh, individually and collectively on an unconscious level. And that's when it's most dangerous because it's only when we understand there's an issue that we can do anything about that issue and take the, the proper steps. So I think the first thing to understand is that, is that we are, from the time we're born, just about, you know, and it might be a combination of upbringing, environment, schooling, news media, news media, mm-hmm. television shows, movies. we're constantly bombarded with these horribly negative messages about, about money. Randy Gage, who's, who's probably my favorite prosperity teacher. Um, he does a great vignette about uh, movies and mm-hmm. about how if you go to see any top selling movie they they basically present the same two types of characters in every single one there are the good people who are generally portrayed as struggling uh they're poor but they're happy right <laughs> they're always poor but happy and they're you know these are the poor the the good people uh but they're always being stepped on stepped over pushed down pushed around by who the evil rich people, right? <laughs> Who are the traitors, you know, they're, they're evil. They're ugly. They're horrible. They're, te- they just want to go. Oh, they're just, uh, they have no soul. And we see this all the time. And then the negative messages just within the, the dialogue, he brings up a great, great example here with, um, the, the first Spider-Man movie where, uh, Peter Parker and his uncle Ben are, are, I think sitting on the couch talking and, and, and Peter asked them about, you know, their money situation. And, and Uncle Ben says, well, Peter, we may not be rich, but at least we're honest. <laughs> oh, what a horrible, horrible message for a kid watching this to hear. What's the basic 
presupposition? What's the premise that if you're, if you're rich, you're not honest, right? If you're honest, you're not rich. Now people are so, but that's just a movie. That's no, this is a message that people get growing up from everywhere mm. around. Okay. Uh, you know, how often have we heard in the last six months that millionaires should not exist, right? Or billionaires should not exist. Now, if someone sure. does something legally or immorally, of course, that's, that's one thing. But if someone has made their fortune by providing value to the marketplace that people, uh, products and services that people have chosen to buy because it would improve their lives. And so, well, of course they should exist. They should be honored. So we have to understand that the, the messages we get, we need to, you know, to, to reject those negative messages. Now, I think in order to do this, we need to make an active study of prosperity. Hmm. We need to read books on prosperity. We need to watch videos on it. We need to, to listen to people like Randy Gage, people like David Nagel, people like, um, uh, Sharon Lecter and people like, Bob Proctor. There are great people out there who, you know, I mean, in the book, when we talked about receptivity in the book and, and my co-author, John David Mann, we received a, a lots of great emails from people saying how that made a, a significant difference for them. But, you know, we only talked about that on a very surface level. Sure. Okay. To make people aware of it. These authors that I'm talking about and these practitioners, they really get deep mm -hmm. into the, the mindset of, of, of prosperity and wealth creation and those sorts of things. I really believe that the best thing people can do is make a, a study of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think, I think it's, I think there's optimism that these resources are out there, right? Because people can tap into it. Like the education is accessible. So I, I think that's an important component, of course, that accessibility is required for people to take action. That's only one step of it. And it's, it's so interesting because you kind of mentioned this common thread like a pervasive nature that exists with some of the negative messaging that creates these wrong associations or these wrong understandings. Because, you know, as we all come into life, you know, if you believe in John Locke and Tabula Rasa, right, we all come as kind of a blank slate that's imprinted upon what we learn. And, and, that's, um, and that's true and evident in all these different medium, uh, all these different media that we're exposed to, right? So when it's movies and books and, you know, celebrities and all of this stuff kind of creates our expectations and how we expect the world to be. Um, which is dangerous when it's guided the wrong way, but it's great to know that there are resources specifically regarding prosperity that allow people to kind of reframe that learning into something that is more sustainable and more productive. Uh, in the name of that thread of kind of like the negative messages that we're exposed to, I think there's a significant one also with the law of influence. Um, that's, that's something that we actively kind of need to work around, right? It's kind of like when you're growing a network, there's this thought of kind of like it being transactional. What can I do for you? What can they do for me? And there is kind of this embedded culture that is scarce in nature. It's not necessarily abundant. And what that requires mm -hmm. is, that, you know, people start keeping score of, you know, what did you do for me? Like, when can I cash in on this favor? And, and I'm curious to know first your thoughts on the nature of that. You know, am I pulling, you know, from thin air and does that not exist or does that exist? Yeah. And if it does exist, you know, kind of, again, some of these resources are kind of, you know, mindsets that we can have to overcome that, um, that barrier. Like what, what have you seen, uh, be effective in the past? I think you made a great point. And that's why in the story, uh, and we, we did this through the subplot of Joe and his wife, Susan, we talked about the difference between, uh, a 50, 50 mindset, mm. which is, you know, I give to you, uh, with the expectation or attachment, if you will, to getting back something from you, right? Mm -hmm. Or if, if 
you give to me, well, it's with the attachment of, of me giving back to you. And we say instead of 50-50, which we say is a losing proposition, just simply make it 100. Just make your win, as, as again, Sam, one of the mentors advised Joe, make your win all about the other person's win. Now, again, this is not self, please, it's not self-sacrificial in nature. This mm-hmm. is a great way to do business. It's a great way to, to have a relationship. When you are focused on that other person. Now, if this person is a go-taker, right, mm-hmm. <laughs> if this person's going to take advantage of, well, that's not a good thing. But but that's not what we're talking about here, mm-hmm. Okay. What when we say uh, make it instead of 50-50, simply make it 100, that means you're also connecting with a person who is of like mind or mm-hmm. is open to that kind of uh, relationship, whether business, personally, or whatever. And there's nothing more powerful than two go-givers being in relationship with one another. And again, I, that could be business, personal, friendship, social, what have you, uh, because both are so focused on bringing value to the other while allowing themselves to receive that you build a much bigger pie. Mm-hmm. You know, what people say to people and some people say, well, give without expectation. And, and I know what they, I think I know what they mean. I don't want to assume I know what anyone means, but mm-hmm. I believe what they really mean is give without attachment. Yeah. Because, you know, I want people to have good expectation. <laughs> that doesn't mean you expect it's going to happen from this person or from anyone else. It could come from a, but what I'm saying is I, rather than saying give without expectation, because I, I want people to have good expectations, give without attachment, hmm. that emotional need for a certain outcome to happen in order for you to be happy or have peace of mind or, you know what, I, what, I, what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So just, you know, give 100%, give with the idea of bringing immense value to another person and without attachment to the results, but allow the results, allow yourself to receive when those things happen. I'm so glad you clarified that. That really clicked for me, um, particularly because uh, someone that I really respect, David Meltzer, um, he's doing some great things in the world. He, he has this philosophy very similar, which is um, to give without being attached to the outcome of it and to focus on your effort. And that's what this 100-0 philosophy is, is it's facilitating mm-hmm. the flow. It's putting yourself out there and doing what is within your control in order to ah, facilitate yes. that flow, right? And I I noticed that kind of, I used, again, with the kind of like the vocabulary I use, that I'm trying to change. You know, I talked about giving without expectation, being like, okay, I'm going to put it out there and just whatever happens, happens. And what I'm meaning is without attachment, without finding exactly. some kind of expectation in the reward or payoff or kind of the return of that, right? And again, it's just the power of that messaging, which I'm so glad you highlighted that because finally, you know, that like clicked for me. Like, okay, I, I get that. Um, and, and I think there's some real truth to it. Now, that's what the go-giver is about is kind of facilitating that flow of value. You know, there's more than enough out there. It just needs to be mobilized and accessible for people and leading with giving allows that value to come in kind of the unexpected ways you know, specifically giving without expectation. So it's unexpected. It returns and, and is magnified and amplified, right? So it's um, it's an incredible philosophy. I, I'd love to, to wrap up this conversation because it's been incredible. But um, I usually like wrapping up with um, one kind of tidbit or takeaway. And maybe I just stole your thunder, but kind of what is the, the main thing that people should understand from learning more about the go-giver way um, that really just needs to kind of land about this concept? Well, I I received a lesson about 40, maybe not quite 40 years ago, but almost when I was, I had been in sales for a couple of years. And while I'd been doing well, I found myself in a, a really bad sales slump. Hmm. 
And fortunately, where I work, there was an older gentleman. He was not in the sales department. I think he was in the engineering department. I didn't, I really didn't know him very well, but he was one of these guys who, uh, soft spoken, he didn't say much, but whenever he did, it was generally pretty profound. <laughs> right. And I think we've all known people like that. And, uh, I think he saw me sort of as Joe in the story <laughs> in the go-giver is that, you know, young, ambitious, aggressive, you know, but, but very frustrated and not living up to my potential. And, and he said to me, Berg, he was a last name kind of guy. He said, Berg, can I give you some advice? And I said, yeah, sure, please do. And he said, you know, if you want to make a lot of money in sales, he said, don't have making money as your target. Hmm. Your target is serving others. Now, when you hit the target, he said, you'll get a reward. And that reward will come in the form of money. And you can do with that money whatever you choose. But never forget, he said, the money is simply the reward for hitting the target. It ain't the target itself. Your target is serving others. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, yeah. I've, I can't remember the expression I heard, but there's something along the lines of the, the mistress of wealth will always evade you if you want her. But if you, if you give mm -hmm. attention to the mistress of service, the mistress of wealth will follow you around, right? And uh, yeah. I think that's kind of what you're echoing here, which is, yeah, which is life changing for sure. I'm glad that you learned that lesson. And now you've been able to share it so many times to so many people so that others are thinking in that way. And of course, an abundant world is a better world. So I thank you for the time today. I thank you for being a leader. And I'm, I'm really excited to continue internalizing your concepts and learnings because it's, uh, it's changing the world. So thank you, Bob. Uh, thank you, Brian. I love the work you're doing. Keep it up, my friend. That was the timeless Bob Berg. Bob lives the go-giver philosophy, delivering an authentic, empathetic value in the way he works with others that is worth far more than the price anyone pays. He walked us through the five laws of stratospheric success and how all of the components together are required to make it effective. The five laws are the law of value, compensation, influence, authenticity, and receptivity. Speaking of receptivity, we talked about prosperity and the negative relationship we've developed with making money in large part due to the way media portrays it, which then grew into the transactional nature we approach in relationships, and Bob encourages that we deliver 100% without attachment to the outcome and not expecting a 50-50 transaction. If you couldn't already tell, I am a huge fan of Bob's work. I highly encourage you to read The Go-Giver, it's short and compelling and extremely well-written. And you can learn more about Bob in general at www.burg.com. Thank you for showing up for yourself today. I hope you learned something new and I hope you can apply it in your life. If you found this message valuable, I'm sure other people will too. Do someone a favor by sharing this episode with a friend, partner, or family member who could benefit from it as well. I so appreciate you. Thank you for listening. And I'll see you next time on Self-Improvement Daily.